Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refine Collective podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go. But would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and y'all are in for a treat today because I don't have one guest, I have two. I have the podcast hosts of the Dateable Podcast, Julie and Yue, with me today on the podcast. We're going to talk about dating post-COVID. We're talking about dating in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement and like just all the things. So I think we're going to go on a journey. Um, who's ready for a journey? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Probably the most like, used word in the last five years, journey. But welcome, ladies. <laughs> we love journeys, so we're ready. <laughs> awesome. Journeys and seasons and all the things. Um, well, thank you so much for being here, ladies. Y'all have in my opinion, professional, unprofessional opinion, whatever you want to call it, one of the most unique dating podcasts that I have listened to. So before I get started, can you guys just kind of unpack what the Dateable Podcast is and why is it different from other dating podcasts? I think what sets us apart is really our evolution. I mean, we talk about the word journey, right? Like I think <laughs> Julie and I went on our own journey in the last four plus years is that I think with a, a with when we first started the dating podcast, it was like, oh, dating's interesting. Modern dating's changing and dating sucks. And I think that's really the narrative that a lot of people have and carry with them is that dating sucks. And what mm. we've really evolved out of in the last four and a half years is why dating doesn't suck. Because as long as you get to the bottom of why people behave the way they do, then we develop more compassion and empathy for each other. And therefore, we can make dating a lot more fun than just saying it sucks and we blame other people for their actions. So for our current season and our seasons going forward, we really strive to just get to the bottom why people do the things that they do. There's always a reason. Yeah, I think to add also, it's like it's kind of adding on what UA said. At the beginning, it was all about stories, and everyone thought they were unique in their experiences. And we quickly realized that everyone deals with the same shit, no matter where you are. And I think that's kind of caused us to do more of like this macro lens and look at dating culture overall. And that really helps, like, also to piggyback on what UA was saying, it like explains why we actually are dating the way we're dating and what is it about sociology and just culture that has changed the way we view relationships. Because a lot of this really has come down from our parents and past generations that had high divorce rates that really showed that marriage isn't necessarily the only path to happiness. And there isn't this one size fits all way to have a relationship. Mm, I think that's such such a good way of putting it. I mean, 
I think we forget sometimes we are the product of a divorced generation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what is it? The statistics are at least 50% of marriages end in divorce. And, you know, I, a few years ago, I never sought out to be like this poster child for being a single Christian woman. <laughs> if anything, it was like, that's the last thing I want to be known for, like the eternal bridesmaid. And then I started talking about it and kind of like what you guys both said is every single person I talked to, and I went on like a hunt. I was like on Instagram, who wants to talk with me on the phone? I don't care where you live. I, I just want to ask you some questions. And it was whether a person was in Austin or Nashville or middle America, it was like, man, dating is hard and dating sucks, or I'm having a struggle or guys aren't asking girls out. And, and every single person would say, I think it's only like this in Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yes. We are definitely done with that. <laughs> and because I thought, oh, it's only like this in the Christian world. Mm. Or it's only like this in New York city. And I think what you guys like hit on that I'm so curious about is what, okay, what are the common things that people are saying to, to be committed to the narrative that dating sucks? So that's the first question. And then two, why doesn't it suck? Well, I think first of all, there's a lot of blaming. There's just so much blaming the other opposite sex or the people on dating apps. It's there's so much looking outward at other people's behavior that people forget to look at their own behavior. I mean, we've interviewed so many people who've ghosted, who've been um, a victim of ghosting, who've been a victim of breadcrumbing, all the bad words out there about dating behavior. And then you dig a little deeper and you realize they've all done the same thing. So I think what makes people think about this narrative that dating sucks is that they're constantly looking at other people's behavior and they're removed from the situation. But what, Mm. what makes more sense, dating doesn't suck because you are actually in control of your destiny. So Mm. when you control your own behavior and you're aware of what you're doing, then you can really find better results. Yeah. I think just to add too, like in terms of what's beautiful is that I kind of alluded to this earlier. It's there is no one right way or one right path anymore. Like people are becoming polyamorous or they're choosing to stay single much longer or they're dating themselves first. Like there's so many different variations of what a relationship may be. And I think before, like we felt that we need to prescribe to one way of thinking and one way of doing. And that just led to a lot of unhappiness. And I think like we have a lot of people question like, do I even want a relationship? Or if I do, like, I think the benefit is that we now have the power to create the relationships we want. It's not just it needs to fit into this box. Even just when we, the idea of love being a system or a formula, I mean, if there's, I feel like if there's anything I know about love, which I feel like is not a lot, (laughs) it's that Every single person has a different story. Oh, yes. Like there is no, it's, oh, I met him online or, oh, I met them while I was dating another person and the timing was off or I did all the wrong things and it still worked out or I did all the right things and it didn't work out. And I don't know what you guys think about this. I mostly talk to women. But I feel like the female experience is primarily like, like, oh my gosh, I just totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly like that, Kat. Exactly like that. The female experience is, I totally lost my train of thought. I'm like, what just happened to my brain? Um, You know what that is super interesting about what you're saying? Maybe this will trigger it. But I think one of the reasons why UA and I started this podcast is that there was a lot of just really bad dating advice out there. Mm -hmm. Like we came from, I mean, we're elder millennials. We're like in our mid to late 30s. So we were Mm -hmm in an era where we had books like the rules or like 
Why Men Love Bitches, which was a freaking terrible book. And I remember like as someone that was like a little bit of a late bloomer, like I didn't have a ton Mm. of boyfriends and relationships in high school and even the beginning of college. Like I remember just feeling lost of how to date and reading these books because that was the only resources I had. And in my 20s, like I dated a lot and I played a lot of games because that's what you were told to do. And I think one of the things that really clicked for me, even like before the podcast, which was kind of an inspiration to do the podcast was that never works. Like as long, if you're not being authentic, like people can see that. And the biggest problem in relationships today is that like everyone is kind of playing this game of relationship chicken. Like it's like a me versus you situation. And I don't want to be the the first person to text, or I don't want to show that I like them. And honestly, that type of behavior just goes nowhere, but it's really hard because we're still ingrained with these like old traditions and we have this modern progressive way of thinking, but people really struggle with like, how do I balance the two? And they still get in their head a lot about just these perceptions. Like, will he devalue me if he thinks that I'm making the first move and all this stuff. And it's a real struggle. And I think that is one of the biggest things that holds people back today. Yes. I think that is so, I think it's so crucial. And it, you, you're right. It did trigger the thought, which was kind of <laughs> along the lines of what you were saying. And what I'm curious about, because you guys talk to a lot of men and women, what I'm kind of hearing about what you're saying is like, as much as we want to be forward thinking, we also like to know the formula because mm-hmm. we want to do it right. And we don't want to get it wrong. We don't want to, oh, if I, if I say this wrong, I'm going to push him away. Yes. I'm going to scare him. If I let him know, I really want to have kids, whatever it is. My perception, and again, this might just be because I talk to primarily women, is that women are more attached to the formula mm-hmm. and men maybe not so much. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think it really goes back to look at all the women's magazines from our past. And I really, I think they've changed so much in recent years. But I remember growing up reading articles about how to get the man of your dreams, follow these steps. And a friend of mine said this to me, and it stuck with me because I asked her, how did you get your husband? And she said, I never worked to get him. I got, I just got him. Meaning, I get who he is. I understand him. Mm -hmm. And that's more important than following this formula to get the man of your dreams. And that in itself is actually really disrespectful of your partner because it's independent of your partner, whether they like you back or not. It's about your your actions of how to get them, how to chase them and catch them and trap them. That's not what a good relationship is based on. But I think that is where it comes from. It's all those years of these women's magazines Mm -hmm. telling us step by step of how to get that man. And then to answer your question about men, this is fascinating because when we started this podcast, we literally thought it would be all women that listened. Mm -hmm. And we're actually about like 60, 40 men and women. I love that. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple subsets of men and I'm I'm overly generalizing. I know that people don't just fall into a few subsets. So there's much more nuance, but I think there are the men that are just like more in like the old school way of thinking. Um, They may be more on gender roles. And then there's other men that are more just not really thinking about it at all. Like they're all for equality and equal relationships, but relationships don't necessarily occupy their mind as much like they're they're open to them but it's not like something that they're thinking about 24 7 and then we have some men that are really highly analytical that Mm -hmm. are actually thinking about this prescribed formula that you were mentioning just as much if not more than women like there are so many men we talk to that are very much in their head especially because um you and i are both based in san francisco silicon valley where there's a lot of like people that think they can like hack their way to love and like find the right algorithm and all this stuff and we keep saying like it doesn't work that way like you need to just like let it flow and be a little more open to where things take you and it's really hard I know I've personally struggled with this too especially as a woman that is um really driven, like kind of like alpha in her career, it's hard to relinquish control. And I think though, with love and relationships, like you don't have, you don't have that. And it's not that you can't control your behavior that you can, but it's like, if you even think about your friendships, like you're not like, 
oh my God, we didn't see each other for three days. Like our friendship is over. He didn't, she didn't call me, text me back within an hour. Like it's just not that prescriptive. And I think that's where things really become challenging is when you're trying to have this path and have these expectations and then something falls off course. Like the other person might not be playing the same game that you're playing. Oh, that's such a good word. Like, he doesn't even know that he's playing Monopoly and you're punishing him for not knowing the rules. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Except people aren't mind readers. I think that's been a huge revelation in our personal lives and then also on this podcast. Do you guys mind getting personal about your love lives? Not at all. We do it all the time. (laughs) As I completely put you on the spot. How has doing this, like how has, first of all, how has this impacted your love life? Have you guys shown up differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, what's going on in your love lives? Absolutely. I think this has a hundred percent changed my way of thinking with love, with dating, with relationships, everything. I think the first thing is that I'm a lot more empathetic. I think when I was first dating before this podcast, I thought everything was about me. If they didn't call me back, it was because they didn't Mm -hmm. like me or, you know, like the world revolved around me. And I think what I've really learned is a couple of things Like we've done a few of these experiments and UA and I have both actually done it ourselves too, which has been super fascinating where we have someone talk about the date. So like we've mm-hmm. had past dates of ours come on the podcast and share their perceptions of the date. And we've also done this with other guests. Like we had this one guy that had hundreds of first dates and none of them went anywhere. So we called up five of his past first dates, like an exit interview, like you do at work. So these types of perception exercises have been eye opening. Like they mm-hmm. really show you that two people can really think about things different ways. They have their own shit that they're bringing to the table their own like insecurities a lot of times what you perceive as something about you has zero to do with you so I think what it's really shown me is that everyone is on their own path like that you just don't know after an hour of meeting someone and you just can't expect to that someone's gonna like drop their whole life and magically fall in love with you after an hour. Like, especially in the world that we're in today with socially distanced dates that are already awkward, right? Like, if we're just being honest, like, they're already awkward. You're in a mask. You're sitting six feet away. Like, how can you expect that your world just becomes this person? I mean, it can happen. I'm not going to say it can't. Like, there are exceptions. There's times where two people just magically click. But I would say a lot of the times that doesn't happen. And it doesn't mean that it won't develop. And I think where I've changed my mindset the most is just not getting so like anxious in the early stages and trying to let it play out a bit more and understand that people have their own shit going on. And, you know, like it will either unfold or it won't. And there's not much I can do. Like if I send a text and someone doesn't respond favorably, it's not because I sent a text either. They have other stuff happening. There's other people in their lives, like who knows who else they're dating, or they just didn't think it was a fit. And none of that is wrong. I personally would just rather know than like play these games and try to manipulate the system that really just can't be manipulated. So I think for me, it's really just given, I think I, I see everyone as a human just trying to do their best now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's it's, so a, good. it's a very liberating feeling. I think this podcast has liberated both of us. Kat, mm. I started out as a dating coach in New York. I thought I knew everything about <laughs> dating. When we first started the podcast, I was like, I can't wait to divulge all of my knowledge. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna tell everybody how to date and this is the right way to do it. And the more people we interviewed, the less I realized I knew about dating. So mm. in the, what Julie was alluding to was we had a few episodes where we did the, he said, she said, and I went on a date with this guy, Andrew, and I thought I killed it. I was like, <laughs> I crushed this. He's going to give me a plus on this date. And in his post date interview, he was like, UA put on a performance. It was inauthentic. I could see right through it. And I felt like she was trying to entertain me versus trying to get to know me. And that really stuck with me. I I mean, it was so eye-opening for me because Mm -hmm. I, the way I approached dating was like a performance. I'm ready Mm -hmm. for my entrance. I'm ready to (laughs) impress. I'm ready to rattle off my resume. And it could be entertaining for two minutes, but then there's no real connection. So Mm -hmm. I think where I've really come out 
now four and a half seasons or four and a half years later is now I'm on this like learning train. I go into everything with this learning mentality. How can I absorb as much information about you as possible? Because I know absolutely nothing. Like I just go into dating with thinking that I know absolutely nothing. And it's liberating to think that way. I think the other big thing too is communication. This has come up with everything is it all comes down to communication. I mean, we've alluded to this on this, even talking to you now that no one's a mind reader. And I think for me personally, I had a real hard time in relationships stating my needs. I think I thought Mm -hmm. conflict meant that the relationship would be over. So I'm just not going to talk. And I think that honestly, it, it rooted from my childhood like seeing my mom and dad, like the way they interacted with each other. I think I thought like, it's safer just not to talk instead of fight. And Mm -hmm. I think where I've evolved over the years, it's actually interesting. When we first started this podcast, I was in a, like the most serious relationship I've been. And like it ended um, a few months into the podcast, not obviously because the podcast for many other reasons. And we actually have stayed friends and we've entertained working it out a couple times throughout the years. And honestly, with this situation, it was one of those things that there was just a lot going on in his life that had nothing to do with our relationship that really made it hard for us to get to that next level. And it wasn't like a situation where there was no love. So we actually even restarted our relationship over the quarantine, like it was before it, but the quarantine was a really great time for us to really hash out what went wrong, what needed to be changed, all of that if we were to really do this, because like, if we were going to really do this, like, it would be like, we're going to like move forward on a path to marriage. Like, this isn't like, we know each other. Right. So I think one of the things that came out, like when we were talking, he was like, wow, like, you're just, you're so different than when we first dated. Like, you're just so comfortable talking and like bringing things up and like earing things out. And and I'm like, yeah, I've been doing a dating podcast for the last four years, (laughs) but it really showed, like, I was honestly super proud. Like we we actually ultimately decided not to move forward but i'm proud that i was able to like have those conversations that there's no like what ifs there's no rocks unturned like that's more important to me than if something continues or it doesn't if you know anything about me you know this i love beyonce jesus talking about dating and relationships and i'm also obsessed with skincare I started really taking care of my skin a few years ago, and I mean really taking care of it from regimens to serums to all the anti-aging stuff. And now as a 35 year old, the one thing I wish I would have known in my 20s about skincare is that it's never too early to start. One brand I've really come to appreciate is Beauty Bio. They have an incredible patented at-home micro-needling tool called the Glow Pro. It's a micro-needling regeneration tool. What they're passionate about? In-office results, at home, and with accessible price points. Because as much as I love skincare, there's no way I can afford $400 lotions and elixirs. It's just not gonna happen. This micro-needling treatment helps create firm, smoother, younger-looking skin with tighter pores. And who doesn't want tighter pores? Not only is it incredible for anti-aging and financially accessible, it also doesn't add hours onto your skin regimen. I'm all about function and efficiency, y'all, and in just 60 seconds a day with Beauty Bio, you'll see results. So go to beautybio.com and check out their Glow Pro Microneedling Regeneration Tool and use TRC15 for 15% off your first order at checkout. That's beautybio.com and use TRC15 for 15% off your first order. I just, first of all, acknowledge you for being able to communicate like in that process, both of you guys of, wow, like I don't know everything or here's how I've changed or here is who I want to be. And I think especially as women, we are so afraid to speak our truth Mm -hmm. for a myriad of reasons and whys and everything. But I'll just to make it personal in my own love life, I have stayed quiet or silent be out of fear of Mm -hmm. just kind of like what you were saying, you know, growing up, like 
being a peacemaker, not wanting conflict or conflict Mm. feels scary or conflict means that the relationship can't exist. And now I'm just, I'm like, like there is no relationship without conflict and unless we're looking for a clone of ourselves and I get on my nerves all the time. So I definitely don't (laughs) want a clone of myself, but what is it to learn how to speak what it is that I really want? And I have found myself and a lot of the women that I coach as well. It's like, we put ourselves in this like relationship purgatory because we're so afraid of being found out. Totally. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't want to be vulnerable. So instead of me saying, Hey, I know we've been friends for a long time and I really enjoy spending time with you. I kind of have a crush on you. And I just wanted to see where you're at. Like, is that something you're interested in? Instead, I, I have done this a million times. I approach that conversation. Well, I feel like you're being confusing to me and <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I need you, I need to bow out of this friendship because you are being confusing to me. Um, mm. And so I'm like, whoa, like, of course I don't get the results that I want when I approach a situation like that. I'm demanding vulnerability without mm-hmm. ever having to take the risk of being vulnerable myself. And that's really just kind of, if you think about the societal construct of the the gender roles, right? The man mm. is supposed to be the instigator, the pursuer, mm. and the woman is supposed to be the receiver. So this is why we as women have had such a hard time expressing ourselves and telling our truth and, and t- making our needs heard is because we're supposed to just receive whatever the male gives us. And if we are to voice something, we're so afraid that they, they would go away. They would run away somehow. We had a live podcast last year where one of the audience members raised her hand and she said, is it okay to sleep with someone on a first date? And the just the virtue of how that question is asked already posed a problem, which is like, why is she asking other people for permission for something that is part of her own body? That is her own choice in her life. So this is something we all need to just work towards is that we have to constantly make our needs being heard. And if the other, if the, on the receiving end of the partner or the person you're talking to runs away or they're afraid, that's not your person. They don't want, they don't, they're not choosing to see you for who you are. So we have a Facebook group and a lot of people ask questions about just, you know, someone didn't text or something happened. And I think one, it's good to, you know, get it out if you need to, because I think that's the only way you kind of get to this next level Mm -hmm. of being like, nope, I actually need to just ask the person at the other end, not a random group of strangers that has no idea. And there was one person that actually replied and was like, I've made a rule for myself that anytime I want to ask a friend, I want to ask like a public forum or write into a podcast, like I'm going to have a conversation with that person first. And then if I need advice, then I could like go and ask some people. But if I don't know what the other person is even thinking, like how can I even get advice on it? It just doesn't need to be this calculated. I I wonder if that just goes back so much to the fear, like fear of getting it wrong or fear of feeling, or, I mean, I just think of my own experience of being a Christian and dating, and I am choosing to abstain from sex until marriage. And for a long time, for most of that decision, I felt like a victim to Christianity. I felt like, Mm. oh, this is what's expected of me. This is what I should do. And so I approached my dating relationships with first of all, confusion of where I wanted to land on physical boundaries. And so I would get in situations and not really think about what it was that I wanted. I just knew what I shouldn't want, even though what I really did want was to have sex. And it wasn't until I kind of, I, I said, you know what, I need to figure out what I really believe about this. And Mm. The big cosmic joke on me is that I ended that whole journey being like, I still actually do want to choose to wait until marriage to have sex. But now, because it's my decision, as opposed to this is what Mm -hmm. I should do, this is what's being expected of me, I feel excited and I feel freedom. And I wonder if so much of like why dating sucks for so many people is because we're like, let me just fit into this box of what everyone else wants me to do, or you tell me what I should want. 
And I'm like, I can't tell you what you should want. <laughs> oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I think that actually came out in the thread I was mentioning about the Facebook group is there was a lot of back and forth of people that were like, well, if the man likes you, he'll text first, like you shouldn't be texting, you shouldn't be doing it. And then other people that had more progressive views that were like, who cares? Just reach out, like, just see what happens. Just, you know, like, let it flow. And I think at the end of the day, like my revelation from that thread was like, hey, there's going to be people that want to be pursued. Like either you're the man and you feel like you want to be pursuing women or you're the woman and that's really important to you. And then there's other people that might not care as much and don't value that stuff the same way. And it's not that one is right or wrong. Like I think Mm -hmm. this is going to always be a split just because we have traditional values. We have progressive values. I think where you can take control of your love life is understand what really matters to you in a relationship. Like does it really matter to you that he text first all the time? Or does it matter that he shows up as an equal partner? And then I think you have the control to make the decisions and the moves that work for you and that you're not trying to fit yourself mm, into one of the that's boxes. That's so good. And Yue, I have a question for you. Um, it, when you were sharing about your ex being on the podcast, describing the date that you guys had, um, what, first of all, I feel like when you described that date, I was like, I've been on that date. That was me. <laughs> um, I, I had a date with a guy a few years ago and I was like, um, he's going to be my boyfriend. That was amazing. It was seven hours of amazingness. He's in love with me. I'm like, we're like, this is going to be a thing. And then I never heard from him again. And then like kind of the crazy joke of it was we ended up being in the same group of friends and it was, I see him all the time now and we're friends, but to get that feedback from him, First of all, what did that feel like? Um, And then were you guys ever able to have like a conversation off air? And did you guys try going out again? Or yeah, what was that like? It was this moment, an aha moment where I realized I was any other prefix meal you get at a nice restaurant. And when you think about these prefix meals, you sit down, mm-hmm. you expect to get high quality something. And you, while you're eating it, like this is very enjoyable, this is nice. And then you leave and you forget what you ate because it was just like any other prefix nice meal. But I think what came out of the, my conversation or the post date interview mm-hmm. was what, what would have made it more memorable is if the chef came out and said, I made this oyster specifically for tonight because there's a story behind it. And then there's an emotional connection to that meal. And I I think what was really missing from our first date conversation was the why, you know, like, why am I single? Why am I in San Francisco? Why are we on this date? Why are we doing a podcast? I never got to the (laughs) why because I was too busy flaunting the how I did this but not the why. And so I I think what was so important after the fact was we did have a few conversations. It was not a match to begin with, but we did have chemistry and the chemistry really stems from our, our willingness to connect more on a deeper level. So he and I stayed in touch and he, I think he's with someone now. I I'm with a, with my boyfriend now, but it really stuck with me what he said. And he knows that too. He, I like, he definitely made a difference in the way I date, but now it's all about the why. And I think that's also why our podcast is always just the why, why, why. It's like when we talk about the how, (laughs) or if we even just like now, when we're doing this podcast interview, if all we're doing is talking about dating, but not Mm -hmm. talking about our personal experiences as well. It's like, we're talking about vulnerability or we're talking about vulnerable things without actually sharing anything about our hearts. And so there's no connection when that happens. Yes. And that, I think that's what we forget is how to facilitate connection. I think I used to think connection meant the longevity of a date. If you go on a date for eight hours, it means Mm. you have a connection. It, that just possibly means someone was really bored. Okay. It could, it could just mean that you just yeah. wanted to kill some time before tomorrow hits. It, it really has no effect on how much connection you're making. A connection, the other myth is that connection is always romantic. And that's not true either. You could go on a date and have an amazing connection with someone that turns out to be platonic. 
but that person made an impression on your life. So instead of seeking out these like romantic, uh, these romantic matches on a date or these butterflies, I think we should all focus on just connecting with people, even if it doesn't result in something romantic. And I'll say this word again, that's also liberating. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's actually very much tied to like the texting scenario. I think it also kind of goes back to like, mm-hmm. if someone's like, I was in a relationship for yeah. two years versus two months, it doesn't necessarily matter the time, it's the impact of it. But the texting, like we kind of brought this up too. it's like, you could have someone texting you all the time. And you might just be having mundane conversations, they might be bored, especially right now, in the world that we're in, a lot of people have a lot of time on their hands. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they are super engaged. I think a better barometer is like, what are you actually talking about? How are you actually feeling about this person? Like, how do they make you feel? How do you make them feel like all of that stuff that isn't so like, tactical. And I think that's why just like really going back to the earlier part of this combo, like there isn't a formula, there's no formula, love cannot be hacked, like all of that just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Taipei's everywhere are freaking out by you saying that. No! <laughs> I am a type A. I get it. I needed, that has honestly been one of the things that have held me back for so long. Like one of my best friends is always like, you cannot control it. Just like let it happen. And it's so hard. I totally get that. But I think it's, it is liberating. Again, using that word, it's liberating that you don't need to be like, strategic like strategizing of like oh if i send the text at 10 a.m and then 10 p.m like what's gonna happen like who cares just like Mm -hmm. let it go (laughs) totally yeah and so in light of kind of all of this that we're talking about i mean we cannot ignore that we are you know we're in a covid reality right now um a lot like i'm in new york city and we're just entering into phase two but then all the crazy stuff is happening in Florida and Texas and these different states of like a resurgence of more cases. And I think for me at the beginning of COVID, I was like, I'm going to take a date. I'm going to take a break from dating, deleted my apps. And then I was like, Oh, maybe I don't, I've kind of just like been in this back and forth of let's just wait until it's over. And then I get online and I'm like, Oh man, Uh I feel like we're both like equally as invested and it's both kind of like, eh, okay. Um, So in Uh light of that, not to mention that we are in this awakening moment as a country, hopefully, as far as Black Black Lives Matters goes and systemic racism, Mm -hmm. my hope is that the world as we know it is forever changed. but what does that mean for the future of dating, like dating post COVID and dating within the cultural climate that we're in right now? First of all, I think what you said, I, oh. I just, I just want to give Kat some praise. Sorry, Julie. I just want to say, first of all, thank you for being really <laughs> honest about your roller coaster of what you're going through with dating. Cause I think a lot of people would just come out and say, I'm taking some time for myself to get to know myself better. But I realized, no, that's not the reality. I think everyone's in this kind of like, what I'm going to take a break. No, I want to get back. No, I'm going to take a break. So th- thank you for being honest. And, yeah, and then it's like, well, that. my, I want babies and I need to meet someone <laughs> yesterday. And my fertility specialist said this. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on up there. <laughs> I was going to say something very similar as I think your story is pretty much on par with everything we've heard is it's just been a wild ride of emotions. And I think a lot of people when this first started, everyone was gung ho on the video dates, like this is something novel, it's only going to be for a month. And then once we realized that it was not going to be for a month, people started to lose interest because they're like, when am I ever going to see this person? This feels like a gigantic waste of time. But I think you, you hit it well is that this might not end for a while. Like we just don't know. So the only thing we can do is adapt to what we're given. And I think, um, you know, like everyone is on their own path. If people are wanting to use this for self, 
evaluation and self-love, I think that actually is a step towards dating and step towards finding the one. We've had many episodes about how you can use this time to recharge, to become a better person when you actually go back out and date. So there's no shame in that. But if you feel like you just want to like keep moving forward, it's just COVID that's holding you back. I think COVID can actually be a really great way if we change our mindset to let it let us think that. Like, for example, I think we're all forgetting that everyone used to say dating sucked mm-hmm. before COVID. Right. So just going back to what it was is not necessarily a good thing either. One of the challenges was that people felt disposable. People felt like everyone had too many options. People felt like there was too much physical fast and then they were tossed away and people weren't really getting to know everyone. They didn't get enough face time. I think one of the benefits right now is that we have to go slow. Like that's just the way it is. And I think I agree it's discouraging to do video when there's no end in sight, but I think a a lot of times, again, depends where you're living. It might be different depending on the COVID um, outbreaks. But if you can do socially distanced dates, at least it's a path towards meeting in person. It's not like forever digital. And I think there's something really nice of gradually maybe starting on a phone call, then progressing to video, and then going to a socially distanced date. And like, for example, I actually did my first video day last week. I honestly, I admit I was very intimidated by it. And I'm someone that's on video all day long for the podcast, Mm -hmm. for other stuff. And I was intimidating. So I get how it's scary. Like there's something about being on video that's just not super comfortable for a lot of people. And honestly, it just wasn't a match. Like the way he portrayed himself on the dating app was very different than in person um, or video. But I actually saw that as a win because especially in a world right now where I don't want to risk my life to meet every last person. And I also like, it's not that easy to get on dates. Sometimes you'll have to walk for an hour to get there. Right. So I think if you can do that, like filtering a bit more, that's good. But then also on the flip side is let's say you do hit it off. Then you actually become excited to meet someone. I think that is what is missing from dating today or before COVID is that it was so disposable. There were people had tons of dates lined up. If this one didn't work out, then there's another one next Friday. I know for me, a lot of times I wouldn't even put people's phone number. Like I wouldn't even save their number, their names in my phone. Yeah, exactly. Because you're like, oh, the odds of seeing this person slim to none. Like, I'll just go and just, you know, you never know until you're in person, but I don't have a good vibe. I know for me, like the person I actually had a relationship um, with on from an app was someone I was super excited to meet in person. Like we, I went into the date, I had his name in my phone, I was super pumped to meet him because we had such good banter and it ended up translating in the date. And I think some of that is your mindset going in. So if people can get there, that could really give people an opportunity to have those killer dates. And also, people might not be dating around as much because you know, like eventually, people want to lead to intimacy, even though we're in coronavirus. And you're not going to want to do that with a zillion people anymore, you know? So I think this actually could be a really great thing for our dating lives if we let it be. 2020 is in full swing and I don't know about you, but I am here for it. I'm also here human to human to ask you for support. Help me friend to help you. The Refine Collective podcast is one of my most favorite projects that I have ever worked on in my career but it is definitely a labor of love. We have quite a bit of hard cost each month from software and subscription services to my team who edit and produce the episodes to licensing music and running logistics for all things Refined Collective. Now, because of that, I want to invite you, yes, you, to join our Patreon community. Patreon is this incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support the Refined Collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with free goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you will be notified before anyone else about our upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward. So in the midst of a wild year, I want to ask you, friend, if you'd be willing to link arms with my team and me and sharing some of the load and helping make the Refined Collective podcast the best it can possibly be. 
So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the refined collective. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the refined collective. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this community. Here's a little thought or maybe pushback about the like video dates. And again, I'm like, I've done them like there. It, it has been clarifying, but then I've also had the situations. So for example, I met a guy online last year and we didn't live in the same city. So we were FaceTiming and there was like such a connection. And so then it's like, my heart is kind of getting involved. I do have that excitement. Mm. And then I meet the guy in person and I'm like, Oh, there's nothing here. Mm. And so I think I battle with the balance of like, yes, I want to see if there's something there. Um, but then I wonder sometimes, is there a false sense of intimacy? Or I think my, my hesitancy mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. man, I'm getting like all excited about this person for a month before we meet or a couple of weeks or however long it takes to actually meet in person when actually all I needed to do is get in person with them and realize there's actually nothing here. Mm. So it feels like a little bit, also, I do not want to use that as like an excuse or justification to not be intentional about dating in this time. Um, It's just something that I've personally come across that I'm not sure what to do with. Mm, I have a feeling Julie's going to share her story about false intimacy because <laughs> that's exactly what happened to her too. And I think just psychologically as women, we it's shown that we are always filling in the lines and we kind of draw the picture before the picture is really a picture. So I, I think in these kind of scenarios is that you start creating uh, emotions around a person who is not fully realized yet. And that's where that false intimacy comes from. And I think it's, I I think a lot of people are in your shoes. It's really hard to think rationally about this because you, you have a great connection over video. And so you start thinking about this person, what they would be like in real life and what they would be like in the future. And of course, this person most of the time is not going to be that person you've you've drawn up, right? So it's separating those two feelings that are that are really tough. And that's why I think when we say, when we tell, you know, we've had guests on our show who've done virtual dating and video dating, and they have the same fear. What we always tell people is make sure that your feelings are there, irregardless of whether we're in COVID or not. Like, are, are there other mm-hmm. factors affecting you? Is it because this mm-hmm. is the first person you've talked to in a really long time? Is this because this is the first person you've had right. three virtual dates with versus the other ones who are one? When you kind of remove those factors, then you can just see a little bit more clearly of just how strong the connection is. Right. It's kind of like when you go on the first date and you start to imagine like a marriage with this person. You, It's kind of like before that, you have to step back and take the video call for what it was. It was a good conversation. You um, at least feel excited to meet this person. It can't be that, oh, this person is the one for me until we mm. meet. So it is managing your own expectations. But I 100% agree that false intimacy is very real here. Like we've heard of people that have done eight hour dates and they're like, and then the person disappeared. We talked for eight hours. Why would that happen? You just don't know where someone's at right now. Like they could be purely bored. They could be doing this for so many reasons. Like there's just no way of knowing. So I think, again, like it's not an indication of time. It's not an indication of all that. Our advice is to like keep your your, your life moving. Mm-hmm. And I know that can be really hard, especially if you're not working or you're not seeing friends as much and you don't have socialized, but find other hobbies, like find other things to do, like talk to people on the phone or on video that aren't um, in a dating world, right? So it's, it's remembering, it's like if you... Before COVID, if you met someone new, you wouldn't just all of a sudden, I mean, again, there's always exceptions if you really hit it off. But for the most part, you wouldn't just all of a sudden be spending 24-7 with someone new. 
you'd be like easing them into your lives. I think it's the same thing and to not jump the horse um, or put the horse before the cart. And I think the story that UA brought up that she mentioned that I might mention is like, I had this happen before COVID like really took off and it was like right on the cusp, like bars were still open, things were still open, but it was starting to creep in. And I, I don't know. I was like a little mixed on meeting someone. So we ended up doing like two phone calls before and we got along super well. We talked for hours on the phone. We had such a good connection. And then we actually decided to meet up just because bars were still open. It was a little bit of a risk, but we decided to take it and we met up and there was just no chemistry at all on my side at all. And he in his mind, though, he thought that we were on like our third mm-hmm. date because we had those two dates and he was like expecting that we were like having sex. And it was a really big disconnect. It was really uncomfortable. He was really aggressive. Like I ended up leaving like very, I mean, I haven't had this situation happen in years. Like I feel like I was just like very like flustered mm-hmm. by it and just like very, you know, disengaged. So I do put that out as a cautionary tale that like your perception of all these video dates and t- taking it slow might not be the same as someone on the receiving end so it's important to like have that conversation and to just like let it pace at your pace Mm -hmm. right oh that's so good and I man I I have been there (laughs) I have so freaking (laughs) been there I feel like I had this like prophetic weird like I don't know dating scenario at the beginning of this year where I, I had met the guy online and I'd met him when I was home over Christmas, but I didn't know that my, my settings had changed from New York. And so I, I thought this person lived in New York. So I get back to New York, we're talking and we're connecting and I'm like, Oh crap, he's long distance. Mm. We start talking, we FaceTime a few times and like realize we're both interested. So, you know, he made plans to come to New York Well, the week of that he was flying out, it was Valentine's Day. Like he was coming in on oh. Valentine's Day, which talk about mm-hmm. when would you ever mm. go on a first date on Valentine's yeah. Day? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it was like, oh, this is the only week that works. And I was like, I don't want there to feel pressure. And anyways, the a few days before we he came out, we had this really painful phone conversation where he made this like off the wall comment about the LGBTQ community. Oh no. I was like, what, what the heck are you saying? Like, are are you like homophobic? Like it was such a weird comment, but it also felt like this isn't like a phone conversation comment. Mm. And we, I couldn't really get over it. And I didn't even know if I wanted him to come to town anymore. And then I'm thinking back, wow, I've told this person three times now that racial reconciliation and um, Black Lives Matters is something that really matters to me. And it's something that's a huge part of my life. And he hasn't really expressed interest in that. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been against it, but he hasn't been like, oh, I've read that book or, oh, I'm curious about that. And so we get on this first date and we're talking And it just comes out that this person does not like gay people. Wow. And Hmm. I was like, how in the heck did I get myself into this situation? And then I just asked him point blank, what do you like, is our race matters in our country something that even matter to you? And the answer was no. Wow. And it was, I was like, well, happy Valentine's day. This date is over. And thank you so much for flying out to New York city to, um, have a, you know, really hard first date, but it was this very interesting experience because up until that point, I would never have thought about bringing up either of those issues on a first date. Mm -hmm. And now, especially with everything going on in our country, I'm like, it almost felt like this weird, like precursor of, I remember talking to my best friend after that. And I was like, do I need to ask if a person is supportive of LGBTQ and, um, race relations in our nation before I even go on a first date with them? Um, because it was, it was just such a shock. Um, so I felt like now going into dating with the cultural climate that we're in, like, what do you guys think about those sort of questions of asking, like, you know, how do you just say, one thing I've been saying is, oh, like, have you gone to any protests recently? Or, <laughs> um, 
But yeah, what do you guys think about that? Wait, Kat, a question for you. Do you yeah. only date Christian men or do you date men of other religions too? That's a great question. Um, and I could give you like an hour long answer <laughs> um, because I could and I, we'll and I really want to. Um, but the short answer to that question is I, I want to be with a Christian man. Okay. So and, I, yeah. I think it's very similar. Because it's a set of beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. So if your set of beliefs are for racial equality and for sexual preference to be talked about out in the open, then that's a set of beliefs. And I don't think there's anything there. It's the same as looking for a Christian man. It's the same mm-hmm. thing as looking for a man who believes in this. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything wrong with that. We actually had this exact same discussion in our Facebook group today where OkCupid now allows you to put a badge that says Black Lives Matter. And we Mm. asked our Facebook um, group what they thought of it. And everyone was like, that's great, because that's basically saying, this is what I believe in. And this is a non-negotiable for me. And I really think this is the beauty of what's coming out of COVID and Black Lives Matter, is that people are very strong about their beliefs now. I believe in COVID, and I believe that there is systemic racism. Those are two beliefs I have. And if you don't believe in those things, then we will never work together. Yeah. Yeah. I have a few thoughts on this. I think first to point out, I think this is a a prime example why doing these pre-calls is so important because you heard it. You heard this on your phone call, right? You just chose to ignore it. So I think it's like really honing into this stuff early on and not being afraid to be like, question it when it comes up and then also be like, okay, this person has a very different belief than I do. Like I remember being on a video, a phone date after black lives matter. And we spent the whole time talking about black lives matter. Like I should say after it's still happening, but like when it first really everything was happening, all the protests were going on, et cetera. And we spent the whole date, like phone date talking about this. And at the end I was like, was this a good date or a bad date? Because we didn't really talk about like date Mm. stuff. But at the end of the day, we talked about really important beliefs and like our values. And that to me is more important than like, what do you do for hobbies and all of that? So I think it can really bring out those great conversations. And I think we're seeing more people putting it in their profiles, like, okay, Cupid, they actually have the badge, but other apps, like people are actually adding it in their profile or making it a point of discussion early on. I think that is like so important to bring this stuff up. And I think one of the things that's going to come out of this is that people are going to just become more open. Like I know even personally, I took a look at my set, like different apps that had settings about racial Mm -hmm. preferences and was like, okay, let's open this to all. Like, why do I even have it set this way? And I think a lot of people just didn't think about it before. And apps are removing that. Like Grindr, for example, got rid of it in light of Black in lieu of Black Lives Mm -hmm. Matter. And I think another thing we've heard from people too in the Facebook group is that people are getting a lot more matches of different races in the last month. So I think that stuff is going to continue to happen and evolve as kind of the fallout of all this, which is actually quite a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And so, so important. I think so much of even just that specific situation goes back to like knowing what I want, knowing who I am, knowing what's important to me and having the courage and the audacity to communicate that. Yeah. And say, actually, like, I think for me, like my, in my mindset, it's like, I always want to hear someone where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't believe the same things, even if we are on the opposite page, as far as values go, I love hearing people's stories. And Mm -hmm. it never occurred to, it never occurred to me that someone could love God, but not love black people. Mm. Mm. And I think to your point, like you can, you don't need, like if you heard that comment on the phone, like you don't need to be like really offensive and hang up the phone or do something drastic. Like it could just be an opportunity to open the Mm, conversation and hear where that person is coming from. And at that point, then you use that as data of, are we a good Mm -hmm. match? Do we have values that are aligned? And most likely it would have come out before you guys even met in person, which would have ultimately saved you both time, right? And I think it's like a lot of times we're afraid 
to real we're for, it's again <laughs> i think the overarching theme of this is a lot of it times we're just afraid to see what's happening behind the hood here and it's like i don't want to eliminate a prospect or what if you know this doesn't happen this way and ultimately you're on a path to find your person it's not a bad thing if you realize early that someone is just not a fundamentally not a fit for you and i think we need to be not afraid and live in a scarcity mindset but live in a like a mindset of abundance that this is just another person out there that just doesn't have the same values that and I do. Again, it goes back to we don't have control of how other people feel and what their mm. actions are. But we are able to recognize red flags from the very beginning. And I can tell you, I would be rich if I had a penny for every time I saw a red flag <laughs> and didn't do anything about it in the beginning. Cuz I just you just brush it off. You're yep. like, "No, no, no, he he didn't really mean that." But I think we need to come in with a mindset of curiosity. If something he said triggered some sort of, oh, I didn't, did he really say that? You approach it by saying, by asking, tell me a little bit more about that. I, yeah. I want to hear how you, how you feel. Why did you say that statement? And it's not combative. It's more just, I'm just curious how you feel. And yeah. I think what's even worse than someone not believing in something or feeling feeling strongly about something that you feel the opposite about is when they don't feel anything at all. I think that's the worst when they're like, I, I actually just don't care about this issue. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. also another set of beliefs is that they don't believe in anything at all. Mm-hmm. And that's even worse. So I think it's good to have these conversations in the very beginning as like what Julie said, is a discussion. You're being curious and also know that the only way you can really understand yourself is to hear opposing opinions and other perspectives. So open yourself, welcome them to tell you something that you may disagree with, because that's actually what's going to help you grow. Yeah. And I think another thing is it's good that you went on the date. I don't want to say it's not like, I think now you know, right now, you know, this is super important to you. Now, you know, if someone makes a comment like this on the phone or on a video date, this might be means to not see Mm -hmm. them in real life, right? And not pursue this further. And a lot of times we don't know what's important to us until we experience it. And I think like with our podcast, other podcasts out there, your podcast, like we can help like, so you don't have to repeat every last mistake and start to like hone in on your intuition a bit. But sometimes you just have to go through it. Like we always say you have to go through the trenches and dating Mm -hmm. to learn and to discover what is important for you. And I think it's okay and like no one should beat themselves up if they've had experiences that haven't ended positively. It's all, it's as long as you're learning from it and you're not continuing to do the same thing over and over again, that's where it becomes problematic. Every opportunity is an opportunity to grow, right? Mm -hmm. If we choose it to be. So there really is no failure if, if I'm choosing to look at something like, oh, wait, why, how did this happen and why did it happen and what can I learn from it? And I learned so much from that experience. I learned, oh, I actually knew. Mm -hmm. I actually knew from this conversation when I said this about the book I was reading and he didn't care. And so I actually can trust myself. Oh, wow. Look, (laughs) instead of shaming myself for letting it get to the in-person date. Oh, wow. I actually have the ability to trust my gut on these things. Um, and I do want to make a clarifying statement. Um, when I said, um, it didn't occur to me that someone could love God and not like black people. I just feel like that's actually not a fair statement because so many people in the name of Jesus have, um, abused the Bible to abuse people of color. And Mm. I just want to acknowledge that. So, um, yeah, I feel like when I said that statement, I was like, wait, that's not like a whole statement because people do that all the time. Mm. Um, so I just feel like I wanted to acknowledge that before. Um, Yeah. I think you said something though really important is the key to, I think the key to modern dating is to trust in yourself because there isn't, like we've said, there isn't a rule book. There isn't a playbook. There isn't like this prescribed way. It all kind of goes back to all the things we've talked about on this episode in the sense of, you know, like, should you text first? Should you make this move? Like, you know, the situation better than anyone else. You're in it. And if you can understand when you are being organic with someone versus chasing someone, 
that's trusting yourself. And that's when you can actually make the appropriate moves. When you feel like you know yourself, you know what's important, you know you have a gut that you can trust, like that's really the key to navigating yeah. modern day. And give yourself a break. For all women out there, just give yourself a break. Don't beat yourself up for it. How many times have you sat there and thought, why didn't I realize this earlier? Why didn't I do this? Why did I let this happen? Because you let it happen and that's okay. Mm. You let it happen, you learn from it, and you just move on from it. Like there's no there's no need to beat yourself up over it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way you can get that intuition is by having experiences yes. and having these situations, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Well, ladies, I want to talk with you guys a lot more. But, <laughs> Let's do um, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been almost an hour and I just have loved every second of it. And I just want to thank you both so much for your time. And I've just really enjoyed chatting with you. And could you guys take a minute and share about how people can follow along with your podcast, what y'all are up to, your Facebook group, all the things? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you can find us pretty much on any podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Um, also, you can follow us on Instagram and other social media at, at Datable Podcast. And we have a really awesome, insightful, like almost like support group-esque uh, Facebook group that's been a really great source of joy for all of us during these tough times. It's called Love in the Time of Corona. It's a secret group. So we do ask that you listen to a podcast episode. I think we can trust that the people coming in from your podcast are on the same wavelength. So <laughs> we're feeling good about that. But we, we want to make sure it's like a safe space and it's a positive community. And I personally think it's one of the best places on the internet. So <laughs> hopefully people can And for all anybody listening right now, we are going to be continuing this conversation with Kat on our podcast podcast to so come on over yeah yes, yes i'm so excited for more chats all right well we'll talk soon hey thank you so much for listening to this episode of the refined collective podcast if you are new here maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics questions comments concerns that you have about what we're up to follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.